Hi, and welcome to Zurich's Perspectives, Zurich Canada's podcast, where we deliver market insights and thought leadership. My name is Alban Alum, and I manage the uh, customer distribution and marketing function at Zurich Canada. Today is number 13 podcast since our first one that we had, I think it was back in January earlier this year. Today, I've asked our chief underwriting officer to join us. Jean Roy has been chief underwriting officer for three years uh, with, with us in here in Canada. Prior to that, he was our chief pricing actuary. The chief underwriting officer function is a key position at Zurich, and we'll have an opportunity to understand the various facets of that role with Jean. Um, as you all know, one of the key metrics of broker profitability is the margin. Basically, it's revenues, less expenses equals your profit. As you also know, insurance companies look at different metrics, such as combined ratio, to determine whether they're making an underwriting profit. I'll be asking Jean what the key components of that combined ratio is, because this is a these are two words that are just talked about a lot in the market amongst insurance companies and also brokers, and also I know that brokers share with their customers the combined ratio of insurance companies that, that they partner with. So I think this is a key topic that we'll be going over. And then how much insurance companies rely on investment income today versus prior year, um, the impact of a very low rate interest rate environment versus a higher rate interest rate environment and what are the ramifications in terms of pricing. So without further ado, here's my conversation with John. Hi, Jean, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Abel. How's your day? Uh, day is pretty good. Warm weather in uh, late October, always good. In Montreal, you can't beat that. Exactly. Uh, so Jean, uh, I was saying in our introduction that you are our chief underwriting officer. So tell us a little bit about what that means to be the chief underwriting officer at Zurich Canada. Certainly. So the, the role is uh, mostly a, a support role for our uh, risk-taking units. So we provide the products, we provide the pricing, we do a lot of governance around it, uh, making sure that uh, we are complying with uh, the, the various uh, controls that we have in place to take on business. Um, there's a portion that uh, tackles a little bit portfolio management, uh, just taking a look at making sure that uh, we are executing on our plans. Uh, so the balance of the portfolio, um, looking at it from the entirety, supporting our CEO, Saad, in uh, delivering a, a stable portfolio uh, that can meet the needs of our customers, but also uh, you know support the commitment that we've made to our shareholders. Great. So before you had this role at at Zurich, you were the chief pricing actuary. How do you transition from being the chief pricing actuary to the chief underwriting officer? Um, are these very are these two very different roles? Or are there some overlap? And what were you doing before you were the chief pricing actuary at, at Zurich? What, what's been your sort of career path? Well, um, I think the on the transition, any transition uh, in roles, you always bring something that uh, you know that that's relatively similar for from one side to another so as uh, as a chief actuary at zurich moving into um chief underwriting role you are bringing a lot of the pricing and portfolio view of the situation uh and and any role that you're taking you always have a ramp up on something so mm -hmm. 
underwriting of large account uh, is not something I, I was bringing to the table in taking on this role. I, I think uh, I try to be as honest as I can to people that uh, that I interact with that I need to you know surround myself and I appreciate sad bringing in very qualified people uh, to manage the portfolio because that that is not a skill that I uh, you know that I can uh, that I can bring uh, as it is. It's something that I'm. Uh, I'm I'm on a learning phase uh, to bring, and I think my mm-hmm. career has been uh, very much aligned to that. So uh, most of the role, most of the transition that I've uh, that I've gone through, the various roles that I've had, I've had a, a portion where I could leverage something that I learned before, and then uh, thankfully in, in my career, I've I've been able to get roles where I've learned something at the same time, right? So uh, in some cases, it's been a pretty steep ramp up. And in some cases, I've been able to leverage a lot more uh, of what I knew. So if, if you want to take it, how do I get to, to where I am now? Um, you know, I'm an actuary by trade. So you graduate from, from university and you get a role as, as an actuary in a company. Uh, and I've, I've had the chance to uh, get pushed uh, often and early in my career. Uh, you know, people often say, you know, being at the right place at the right time yeah. uh, and, uh, and being ready for the challenge when it, uh, when it occurs. So um, started, uh, I think the, the, the big change was uh, in the early, um, uh, early 2000, late 1990s, um, I was asked to actually leave actuarial and go in operation, um, leaving Toronto and going to Montreal to, uh, to take on a, a PNL role, uh, so marketing, some underwriters, um, some data entry people uh, that were part of uh, of our group of uh, uh, our, in our business unit, and I did that for a number of years uh, with a, a small break where I went to London in England uh, for the company I worked at. Uh, did some roles in uh, uh, data management, uh, a lot of Merger and acquisition support, some turnarounds, um, then came back again in operation in Canada, back in Montreal, after three years, um, uh, mostly in, in personal lines and specialties at that time, and left that and uh, uh, joined a company that did mostly commercial lines. And again, uh, you bring something that you've learned uh, with you, and uh, one of the things that I learned is, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the training you get as an actuary is black. The world is black and white. It's matte. It's, it's, uh, but in practice, the, the world is not black and white. So you spend some time on the other side. You learn that uh, you have to find a way to, to meet people in the middle. And, uh, you know, it does bring you a very solid foundation, but it's not the end all and be all. Um, of uh of doing business yeah that's for sure uh jean so you've been in the role for three years um and i joined zurich canada also about three years ago Mm -hmm. um sad has been chief agent and ceo also for three years the company has been through a lot in the last three years i think you would agree that three years ago we were recognized in the market as mostly really a large account insurance company um, we've made some strides. Um, we've gone back into prop programs, into mid-market. We've made some great effort at further penetration in the regional account space. Where do you think we are on the journey towards having a 
balanced portfolio for Zurich Canada, more balanced today than it was three years ago? And how much work do you think we need to do to make this even more balanced, if at all? Well, I think uh, when Saad came in, uh, it was quite clear that, uh, you know, at one point, Zurich had a presence across the entire spectrum, all the way into the life insurance uh, sector. And um, that there was no reason uh, in a company like Canada that, that Zurich shouldn't aspire to be able to play back into those spaces, uh, which, um, as you mentioned, we were mostly a large commercial player by the time SAD arrived. We had been uh, successful. We've got a great value proposition on that side that's supported across the world. Um, but you know, that's not the only thing that Canadian businesses or or um, uh, our customers are, are looking for from an insurance companies. So um, we started making some uh, some inroad on the program space. We added some uh, some capabilities to tackle some um, uh, mid market customers, um, which tend to be a little bit uh, less. Uh, uh, variability as our as our very large customers, right? And I think we all these capabilities that we're that we're building, Alban, they're they're designed to uh, allow Zurich to really play to its scale in Canada. You often refer to Zurich as a as a sleeping giant. I think worldwide we have capabilities that we'd love to uh, to bring to the table in Canada. And uh, what we've seen in the past three years is uh, us slowly putting those in place to be able to meet the demands of our broker partners, meet the demands of our customers when they're, they're reaching out to us in a way that, uh, that leaves them satisfied and they can recommend us to uh, some of their uh, friends. So you think we've done, we've, we've reduced the volatility of, of the business um, significantly do you think that there's more that we can do obviously scale matters right so the more we we build up the the mid market value proposition the more we go into some some certain types of programs the more um the less volatile the the results become is that is that a a fair statement or there's no guarantee there's a there's a great way that's a great way to present it i think once sad arrived one of the things that we needed to do is we needed to uh, you know, make money on a reliable and consistent basis. And uh, we needed to kind of bring a bit more um, control of our ability to year in, year out, uh, produce that, uh, uh, that profitability. I think uh, if you look at, uh, you know, let's be honest, if you look at the five years before SAD arrived, I think we only made money one of those five years. Uh, that is not a sustainable proposition. Um, so in addition to bringing some stability, we also wanted to bring, uh, a little bit of uh, profitability into that. Um, you know, we, we put some, some, uh, great processes in place. It would be, you know, uh, dishonest to say that the hard market did not play a huge part in the quickness of that turnaround for Zurich yeah. Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, but certainly around the world and in Canada, uh, the proposition that we have in large space, it comes along with some pretty hefty volatility. The limits that we're providing to our customers, uh, they want to be, uh, uh, you know, with us as a as a large organization. They want us to be a big partner uh, to them uh, because of the capabilities we build. And that comes along with some some volatility in the earnings. And I think playing in the mid market 
playing in uh, the SME space via program uh, that brings a lot more stability. Um, you know, the limits are not as high. And, right. Uh, when you have a big claim, it's not as big. Right. So the so the the once you turn profit, then they become they tend to be more predictable if you have less volatility in the portfolio. Right. Which is what ultimately shareholders are going to look for. Right. Is reduced volatility should lead to more predictability in the earnings if they're earnings, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good description. You know, they're they're looking for a quality of earning, I would quality say. Quality of earnings, which, uh, which quality of earnings mean, means predictability, right? Is that fair to it say? It means or, yeah. predictability, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so if we're only in the large account space, then we can be lucky one year, not lucky another year. And basically we're relying a little bit more on luck then really offering that smoothness across multiple years, which is the quality and the predictability of earnings, right? Exactly. I, w- I wouldn't necessarily use luck. I think it's yeah. uh, our, our, our knowledge, our capabilities in the right. large space produce right. a very good earnings stream. It's just that if you look over five years, it's kind of probably going to outperform a lot of companies. But if you're looking at any given year, you're right. Yeah. There's a bit of randomness uh, along along that comes along with the ride. Right. Now, Jean, one of the key metrics I know that you um, and others look at very carefully on a regular basis is the combined ratio of Zurich Canada. Can you share with us what are the, some of the key ingredients or components, I should say, in that combined ratio calculation, right? I mean, we don't need to go sure. over all the details, but I think it's important sure. for our broker who are listening to us to understand what are the the key variables that we pay attention to. All right. Um, I think the, the more stable piece is our expense ratio and the combined ratio. That's, uh, you know, our, the commission that we pay to our customers and, and the salaries that we pay to our employees to yeah. underwrite the business, to, to settle the claims. Uh, the portion that tends to vary a little bit more are, we usually break it down in three pieces. We have a nutritional component, um, uh, that's uh, probably the piece that's the most stable. And mm-hmm. we get into some large losses. We talked uh, around uh, you know, the large value proposition that we have for our customers that tend to be affecting that, that large loss component. And finally, like any business, we're affected by catastrophe claims. Um, I think um, uh, to, to compare it to some of our uh, companies in Canada that operate, uh, we are exposed to cat events across the world. We follow our customers across the world, and uh, that affects our results. Um, you know, we've we've had we've been hit uh, uh, by uh, the the hurricane that dropped uh, almost uh, a foot and a half of water in um, uh, in Houston uh, two years ago, for example. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of our competitors in Canada, you know, they they underwrite risk in Canada, and they won't be exposed to that. So it right. requires a lot more knowledge. From our underwriters of mm-hmm. what they could be affected of uh, worldwide. Yeah. So you talk about cat losses, and this is we read about cat events and in natural catastrophe events, unfortunately, too often in the newspaper. Does it have a meaningful impact on our on on Zurich Canada's results? Do do we see do we feel the bite in Canada um, in 2021? Let's just talk about this year, for instance. Or are we have we been able to dodge the bullet? So 2021, I would say in the first half of the year where we published our results, I can't, I can't speak of the second sure. half until we sure. publish our results uh, sure. at the end of the year. 
but ourselves and, and the rest of the industry have been uh, relatively um, lucky on that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a, a little bit of randomness to these large events, but you know, in our results, in the results of the industry, uh, the results have been good. Okay. So um, let's transition to when we talk about cat losses, obviously, I mean, obviously, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but I think of <laughs> that's when insurance companies are going to go and in, in seek capital elsewhere, which is usually reinsurance, right? So you want right. to protect, you want to protect yourself against really the unexpected and unexpected is usually going to be around cat events. The fact that we've changed the composition of the portfolio significantly in the last three years must have led to a change in how we are thinking about reinsurance um, for for Zurich Canada. Yeah, it does. It does. We usually uh, cover those events from three things, right? Uh, we hold capital in mm-hmm. Canada. Uh, we hold a significant amount of capital at the group level, uh, you know, that's available to all of our, uh, all of our operation. And we also make use of reinsurance, right? And uh, I think the, the, the larger presence of, uh, of Zurich in Canada over the past three years has allowed us to start taking a look a little bit more at the results of Canada by itself mm-hmm. and to be able to get some visibility onto that, bring some stability onto that cash flow as we've reached out into the reinsurance marketplace to um, get some support on that side, support that used to be from the Zurich balance sheet and is now more uh, the Zurich uh, worldwide balance sheet and is now more uh, related to uh, support where we're reaching out for in Canada. Uh, I think we've, we've added a little something uh, that's not necessarily related to our balance sheet. So there's a number of uh, new ventures that we're doing where we've talked about the program space, we've talked mm-hmm. around the mid-market, and we tend to protect those stories a little bit more than just the balance sheet. So we don't want to be in a situation where um, we take on risk and the first year, that happens to be the, the year that the the large claim occur or a cat occur. So we yeah. tend to carry lower retention. So protect the, uh, the story a little bit more with lower mm-hmm. attachment point when we have something new. And because in Canada, we've had, uh, you know, we've added mid-market, we've added uh, programs, uh, mm-hmm. programs. Yeah. Uh, we've reached out to our partners in the reinsurance space to, uh, to get some protection. That's usually lower than we would normally do with the size of our balance sheet. Mm-hmm. And that obviously that carries a cost. Obviously, the more reinsurance, the more protection you buy, the more expensive it is, right? Um, but that's is is it fair to say that's another way to sort of protect the earnings or to make the earnings a bit more predictable, right? So that goes towards that reduction in the volatility overall. Exactly, exactly. I think if you uh, if you look at the the path that Zurich has taken in the past in uh, in Canada, when you start a new journey like that, you're always at risk of something happening in the first few years. Just mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that year that it happens, and that's that's always difficult to have a conversation that uh, starts with uh, if not for this, uh, <laughs> this would be a great venture. Um, so, in order for us to go back in Canada and go back on on a sustainable basis, we felt that it was important that we did not have those conversations. That we mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. able to say yes, it's costing us a little bit more because reinsurance uh, does have its cost. But I can show you a clear path of uh, of profitability for this venture, and mm-hmm. uh, like like anybody uh, or you know any 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 corporation, not just an in insurance, you want to be able to turn around and say this was a good decision. 
right? Uh, right. This is this is some place where I should have invested and built some capabilities. So it allows us to have uh, that conversation on a much more uh, sustained basis, which has been challenging at Zurich if you look at the past decade. In other words, we've been. What do you mean by that? We've been in and out of reinsurance too often, or or where? Yes. Yeah. Alban, yeah. I think uh, yeah. I think if you if you went out to the broker space and our peers in yeah. the in yeah. the Canadian marketplace, yeah. uh, they can they can put on the table quite a few times when we thought we had it right, and um, you know uh, we had to step back from uh, yeah. from situation yeah. many many times. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Um, so I'm going to ask you to look into your crystal ball a little bit here, um, still on this topic of reinsurance. Any signals that you're picking up in, in, in the market, in the Kenyan market in general, or, or the global reinsurance market as to what you think the, the, the Q4 renewals, the 1231-11 treaty renewal or fact renewals are going to be like? And there's a lot of noise, and we see, again, a lot of cat events in, in the pipeline for a lot of bigger insurance companies, and the numbers are just huge. Um, so what do you, how do you think that translates into for, for us in Canada? Well, I, I'd love to have that kind of a crystal ball. Yeah. Of, uh, I, I, yeah. think, I think anything that requires cat capacity is still pretty hard. Uh, the, the market has been eroded a bit on that side. Uh, there are other areas that are uh, providing terms that are a little bit better than, than they had been. Um, clearly, if I'm speaking for, for Zurich, and I think for the, uh, for the industry in Canada, um, the, the results have been good as a, as a end result of the hard market. Mm -hmm. And uh, therefore, uh, there's a little bit less um, demand from our reinsurance partner to, to continue pushing the situation, except, you know, areas that, that demand a lot of uh, cat capacity. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's companies like Zurich and our peers, and there's obviously a few of those in the market that deploy capital in zones where natural catastrophes can happen that need probably more likely to buy reinsurance and that's where it gets expensive. But if you're, in the small, medium size segment in Canada, do you does reinsurance cost less, or do you need reinsurance? And, and it varies by insurance company, obviously. But are you less exposed to cat events if you're in small and medium size segment than you are in the large account space? Yeah, I think the so so I'm going to speak uh, for for Zurich. Um, you know, we we've accompanied a lot of our customers across the world. Right, and therefore we, we touch a ton of stuff. We touch uh, earthquakes in Chile, in Japan. We we have um, hurricanes in the in the south of the U.S. So it's a different conversation for us than it is for some of our peers uh, in Canada. Might be less exposed to to that yeah. side, and definitely yeah. some of our the other insurers that are only in Canada. Um, you know they share some of the risks that we have because you know we're we're not uh, unexposed to wildfires and earthquake and mm -hmm. um, flooding, flooding in yeah. in Canada. We have to yeah. deal with those. It's just uh, a more complex conversation for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about inflation. So this is a this is a topic that you know you, you watch on on business news channels in interest in what's going to happen with interest rates going forward. 
What is um, what is your view of how um, monetary inflation, and we'll talk about social inflation in a minute, but when you think about monetary inflation, um, what is the impact of um, this phenomenon on the on an insurance company's balance sheet and how what is it that you can do to protect yourself about rampant inflation? Uh, so I'm going to take it two ways. I'm going to talk assets and I'm going to talk liabilities. Um, you know, uh, on, on the asset side, uh, we tend to be, and, and the insurance industry in Canada tends to be heavily invested in bonds. Um, so when the interest rates start going up, as they have been, as, uh, as we're heading out of the pandemic, um, there's been a lot of uh, liquidity coming into the Canadian economy that's pushing up prices. Uh, there's a lot of demand. You're seeing some supply chain that are having trouble um, meeting that demand. So a lot of people chasing fewer goods usually means those goods are more expensive to purchase. So when that happens, it has an impact on our assets, our, our bonds. Um, mm-hmm. The yield tend to go up uh, when uh, when that happens to create to continue creating a a net return to the bondholder. So yeah. it's it's good from our capacity to have uh, additional uh, investment income. Yeah. Right? More investment income means that we can charge lower prices to our customers. Yeah. But on the instant that it goes up. Our um, our bond portfolio tends to have a lower uh, a lower value because value, we right. bought bonds before that happened and they have yeah. a lower interest rate, so we have yeah. to transition to to that. So you usually you you're you're stuck with an immediate uh, uh, negative impact and yeah. a positive longer longer term impact on that side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's on the asset side. On the liability, uh, you know, we settle claims for our customers some of them faster so something burns down usually the money's out in their hands uh within a matter of uh days months weeks those kind of those kind of times when there's a third party that's injured goes to the court system we hold that money for a much much longer time and you know that general inflation that's in uh, the marketplace it affects uh services it affects uh, hospital it affects drugs so yeah. a lot of the uh, the money that we end up paying uh, to make a, a customer whole uh, on the liability side, uh, that's affected by by the inflation environment. So when we settle, when we set the money aside, we usually assume a certain level of inflation. If it goes up, we're going to have to add money to it, and that's going to that's going to have uh, what we call the prior development adverse prior year development so all of our liabilities and we have a significant amount on our balance sheet mm-hmm. uh, now need more money to um to sell right. right right and then to the topic of social inflation this then is compounded with the with this new phenomenon or not new i shouldn't say new but this this now well you know often talked about phenomenon which is the um um social inflation which is really uh, a u.s um phenomenon so, so Again, far using that so, so far, far yeah. so far so far right right so so basically on the liability side of the balance sheet i have i'm having to increase my reserves right to meet the of the future obligations which are the the claims that we'll be paying in in the future right so that's that those are the the impact of inflation and social inflation on the balance sheet of an insurance company. So to then what happens to pricing, right? So as a trained actuary, do you then have to reprice on the asset side 
the the the, the premium? Do you reprice the reserves? Do you do you I shouldn't say reprice? Do you reevaluate the reserves then on the liability so, side? So we have we have some assumption that we make mm -hmm. when we set our reserves and we try to anticipate where we are. Uh, sometimes there are shocks that uh, that we don't fully anticipate. Uh, I think nobody anticipated the drop in the Canadian dollar between 2014 and 2014 and 2015 when we dropped almost uh, 30% over like uh, an 18-month period. Mm -hmm. uh, so those external shocks do require you to, uh, you know, they'll have an impact on your balance sheet, but they do require you to uh, rethink the prices that you're charging. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, if you're, you've got a currency exchange issue uh, when you're collecting your money in Canadian dollars from your Canadian customers, but you're settling their claims in U.S. dollars, and it's suddenly costing you 30% 30, 30 more to, to settle the same claim than you did uh, before. So those are shocks. Uh, on, on the social inflation side, the U.S. has been seeing some fairly hefty awards, um, uh, especially reaching into the, uh, the excess and umbrella space where – We're, we're seeing awards uh, happening more often and costing more money for the same type of event that happened uh, a little bit before. And, you know, you're protecting your customers from the impact of those events. But if those events happen more often, they cost more money. And mm -hmm. what you're presenting to them is going to be more uh, a bigger bill than it was maybe five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that explained in part why. We've been extremely cautious in underwriting excess liability um, layers, right? Because the volatility in those excess layers is, has become crazy. And therefore, it's becoming increasingly difficult for underwriters to price what's going to happen in a 50x of 50 or 25x of 50 layer that has U.S. exposure, right? So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we're 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 looking at. I think the industry in the U.S. is looking at trends north of 10% in those uh, in those layers, and you know, you do that for six years, and you have to double the price. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And those are difficult conversations with your customers. Um, sure. You know, because they're seeing inflation in Canada and the U.S. had been low single digit like one two three percent two and a half on a basket of good and uh, sometimes it's hard to connect with the fact that uh, the awards are coming uh from the yeah. court have been increasing yeah. much much faster yeah uh, than that basket of good so uh, definition yeah. of uh, what you're measuring i guess yeah, yeah there's definitely a dichotomy there jean listen uh, thank you very much for this conversation i think it was um it was pretty uh, enlightening to hear what you have to say about the role of the chief underwriting officer, but also how this journey that we've been on for the last three years um, with Zurich Canada um, in sort of shifting the portfolio from what historically was a large um, account, essentially, um, segment to a multifaceted insurance company, still in the commercial insurance space, but much more diverse um, and across three segments and, and several lines of business. So, So, Jean, before we part ways here, um, question that I'm trying to ask all of um, all of our guests: um, What do you do when you're not doing insurance? Uh, so, I, I do a bit of sport. I uh, I play hockey, but uh, interestingly, um, I uh, <laughs> I was doing math uh, 
uh, yesterday with my daughter. Uh, she, had a, she had a test on uh, on Wednesday, and uh, she so that brought me back into geometry. And uh, you know, uh, geometry is not exactly something that I do on a daily basis, even uh -huh. in my job. So yeah, uh, yeah. that's like good. So parent, it, yeah, you're you're a can obviously a Canadian fan. Uh, no, I'm not because I'm from no. Quebec City. Oh, 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 <laughs> I, oh, I like the Canadians. Oh. I thought they had a fantastic ride last year. It was uh, disappointing for the Leafs to be uh, bounced again. Uh, I'm sure they'll they'll come back strong this year. But uh, I've tended to follow my old team, the Nordiques, all the way to Colorado because okay. they were the okay. same players. So, so, when, I've, so I've stayed I've stayed uh, you know true to to them and yeah. Okay, but when your heart's not beating with the with the with Denver, Colorado, then it's with yeah. it's with it's with Toronto, and then and, and only Montreal third. Uh, yeah, you know, when I was in Quebec, <laughs> Montreal was uh, it was a difficult uh, team to Rivalry. cheer for when you're from yeah. Quebec. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Okay, all right, thank you, Jean. All right, thank Take you. Care. Bye. So thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, wanted to leave you with Zurich.com, uh, our website, where you can find the web, the um, the podcast in the next uh, 48 hours or so. And also, if you have suggestions, IDs for podcasts or comments about this podcast or the ones that we've had before, uh, you can email us at ca.podcast at Zurich.com. Thank you for listening. Take care. audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained herein may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you. This has been a production of TNKR Media. Good talk.